sure we're making everybody texting me. <laughs> I know, right? Good evening. Happy hump day. I hope everyone is doing good today. Of course, welcome to She Said What, and I'm your host, Alan M. Newman Jr. Um, before we get started, though, I want to introduce two lovely ladies of the hour. Um, I have Miss Mika and Miss Renee. I want to thank you guys for being here on She Said What. Also, um, if you are listening in through Blue Radio based in New York, we are excited to have you join us tonight. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. The premise of She Said What is for us to have black women and Latino women come on and we talk about various topics that need to be improved or worked on in our community. So before we get into the topics, let's get started. Welcome, ladies. Welcome, everyone who is tuning in, who is watching and listening in. Um, how are you guys doing today? Doing good. Awesome. How are awesome. You? Awesome. I hope I'm doing outstanding. I'm gonna just do. It. I'm just gonna leave it like that. I'm doing outstanding. It is Hump Day. It is almost the end of Wednesday. Two more days until the weekend. So I'm excited for that. It has definitely been an interesting week. Um, but of course, I am not the subject for the hour. It is to you, you two lovely ladies. Once again, welcome to the show. Looking forward to the topics that we have for tonight. Can I actually have our first topic put up? Um, I feel like this is probably going to be some business talk. Raising children. Are we still part of the village? Okay, okay. Well, I'll start off for those who listen. You know, I don't have any kids. The little crumb snatchers are definitely expensive. So um, when the time comes for me to have kids, We'll see what happens. Um, but for you ladies, um, the first big question that needs to be asked when it comes to our children, um, do you think we operate in the <clears throat> mindset of a village? Um, that's the first question, actually, because I want to see what you guys say before I add on to that. Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> I'll second that. Okay. Um, okay. I don't think actually, so. Okay, so can you like expound on it? Do you think it's just a broken system? Do you think it's just something we're going away from as a whole? Um, I think it's or- a couple of things. I think it's a broken system. I think it's fear um, for a lot of people. Um, you know, back when we was growing up, you had your neighbors and people who wasn't afraid to, you know, help and assist and be there for, you know, even the churches. Now the churches don't even get involved. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a broken system, but I also think that it's also part of just fear. Uh, people don't even want to raise their own kids half the time. So <laughs> just so you know, you have it where you don't wanna people don't want to get involved. You got defects, you got child protective services, you got kids out doing things that are criminal, you got um lack of income support for themselves. Mm-hmm. So they can't they feel like they don't have the tools to help anybody else because they got their own situation. So I just think it's a couple of different things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I totally agree with that. I also think it's just the combo of the stigmas that have been placed right on our culture, black community. Um, and yeah. we continue to play into those stigmas and um, just those, the individualistic um, viewpoint that we live in in society, right? Everything is, I take care of me, I take care of mine. Um, whether you're in the workplace or whatever that looks like, we play into those. We are no longer a team. We're no longer a, a unit that functions together, but we operate against each other a lot of times. So exactly. I think that has a lot to go into the the way things are too. So just the whole structural um, viewpoint is very broken. So then I, I have a question because you you may you got you both you ladies bring up very big good topics on that. So do you think? Because for our generation, you know, um, I know for me, the first time um, when I was in middle school, I'll never forget, we had a young lady, she was 12 and she was pregnant. That was the first time anybody in our school dealt with someone our age that was pregnant. Um, Do you think because of how, even though people have probably been getting pregnant for a long time at that age, it just never was talked about, but when you're in school 
and you're starting to see like an increasing amount of your fellow classmates popping up pregnant because that was when I was 12. And then in the, uh, the eighth grade, we had like three more girls got pregnant. And so then it started turning to this, oh, well, I guess this is the norm and we got comfortable. Do you think it's also because of gener we have a generation that had kids young, so they were never fully trained and developed? And so you have babies literally trying to raise babies if their family was not in that structure with them. And literally, a, a baby can't really tell another baby what to do. You can only go based on instinct and what you think might be right and what you think can't be right. And do you think that caused us to become very closed and sheltered when it comes to our children? Let's think about it. If you're 15, 16, 17, 18, and you have a baby, you're not trying to hear other people telling you how you're supposed to handle that That's baby, true. what you're supposed to do with that baby and stuff like that. Do you think that is probably something that added to us not being open-minded as a community to have people help us? Or do you think it could be something completely different? Um, no, I think that has a lot to do with it. I think that when you are a child, 12 or a teenager, your you know, minor years, and you're having a child, and then you're thinking about if that's something generational, did their mom have them when they, when they were 12 and 13, and then you have a young grandmother who still feel like, I don't raise my child, I'm trying to live my life, I don't want to raise another child. And so it becomes the issue of, abandonment at that point because they want to live their life they don't want to deal with another raising any more children um they may have had lack of support themselves and now they feel like nobody helped me you have to do it and i heard that stuff before actually um so i do think that it's the age i think generate you know because we are younger like my grandmother was an old grandmother you know so she was way you know in her years of age and so but now when you look at it, you got grandmothers in their 40s and 30s talking about you know trying to raise kids and they want to go out to the, the club and party and travel and live their life you know and so they're like you having a baby and so mm -hmm. i do think that that is um a generational thing um amongst other things like financial lack of education they probably mm -hmm. had because they had babies at such a young age um trying to learn how to adult at a, as a 12, 13, 14, 15 year old, it's hard. You're trying to be a child mm -hmm. and adult at the same time. So that's, you know, a lot of barriers they have to face when it comes to being a young mother yeah. or father. And I also think it just plays into the aspect of trauma, like the trauma that we experience um, overall, the trauma that you experience as an individual, because you think about it, if you're 12, 13, 14, um, you're being now shunned by your peers, mm -hmm. being probably shunned by family members yep. um you become that statistic or you know however people want to label you at that point and so it becomes more a negative approach versus you know showering you with a little bit more love or understanding or you know really supporting you through what that may look like because now it's oh you did something bad you know yeah. it's a stigma of you did something wrong you have now you know cursed our family <laughs> type stuff. Uh, you know, you made my name look bad. Um, so those things, of course, go into play. And just looking at that trauma from the child's point. And also how they got pregnant. Because mm -hmm. you got to think it's a lot of incest. It's a lot of uh, child molestation. It's a, a lot of parents who are um, who are not supporting their children getting pregnant at such a young age because they don't want to take the responsibility of what happened to them to get when they got pregnant. So I think it's a lot. And I think that brings on, like Renee was saying, trauma. And then you have that passed on for generation and no one is breaking that trauma cycle. Very, very, very good points, ladies. So when we're talking about breaking that child, that's breaking that cycle when it comes to building a community, what are some steps you think that we can take? Because I think the biggest, I think issue you may have with the generations today is in the black community, no one's really trying to listen to anyone, especially when it comes to telling them about their family or telling them how to act, even when you ladies mentioned with the church, because I've, I've seen how the saints act when someone pop up pregnant, and that's just, that's just a whole, you just in for a whole world of hurt uh, during that entire um, development, because yeah. they're probably not going to fool with you at all, or you may get preached on in the message. So what do you think we can do to help build that community back up um to be honest well for me i would say one being more proactive um i always say there's you know you have to be able in order to learn you have to be able 
in order in order to teach, you have to be able to learn. In order to learn, you have to be able to teach. So you have to be both. You have to be able to, you know, be taught and you have to be able to learn. And I think a lot of times people want to teach, but they don't want to learn. They don't want to listen. Everybody is different. And I always tell people I work with, you're your own expert. Listen to people, listen to the community, listen to the needs, being more proactive, find out what the youth, why are the youth, um, what's going on for us to have youth um, out getting pregnant at an early age? I think sometimes we close off youth because we feel like, oh, you know, there was a you a child, stay in a child's place. But child got feelings, you know. So I think it's important for us to listen, be proactive, educate. Parents attend things with the children because a lot of times mm -hmm. parents want to send the child, but they don't want to go with the child. And I'm like, mm -hmm. how are you going to work together on a topic if you're not learning together, if you're not working together? So I think it's just being proactive and getting the churches back involved, putting things back in the church. Like you want your your ten percent every Sunday, you know. So. That's right. <laughs> that is true. You know, you got to be just as proactive too. Mm -hmm. So it does. You know, getting involved, like like Mika was saying, um, really being that support, but having those hard conversations. Um, we have to stop sweeping certain things under the rug and really be open and transparent about things. And yes, active listening, because that goes a long way. You can't tell a child, do as I say anymore. <laughs> um, you really have to be doing what you're saying in order for them to really get the message because they have to see it. We're in a see me, you know, generation. Like, I, I don't want to just hear your talks about it. Like, show me what you're doing. Back your words up. Um, as they say, you know, your word is your bond. So, and that's what makes yeah. you genuine. Like when people genuinely see that, they believe in it. That's yeah. true. And um, I see a question. What about the parents who encourage negative behaviors simply because they don't want their children to exceed the parent? Wow. To me, that's a form of abuse. It is. Um, you know, uh, I think that that's when, you know, when we say a village needs to step in, that's when those other family members, that's when we need to try to get resources into place, not only for the child, but so for the parents. Um, I would say that, you know, I, I I know people like that. They're afraid. They don't want, you know, they feel like I had to do this. You, you're you going to do it too. Um, you know, like it's no different than me. Yes, it is a lot different. You should never want your children to grow up the way you grew up. So um, I think that that comes down to that village part. I think that's when we need a lot of resources and a lot of um, help mm -hmm. and time to know is this a healthy relationship for this child? And and, and I say that mm -hmm. because sometimes we worry about the fear of removing the child, which we know, we know that children being in a home with the parents or with their family members is more healthier than them being with a stranger. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, if that relationship is toxic and that child is not thriving and just on more of what we always talk about surviving, then when does that become a time for us to say, no, this child needs to be placed somewhere else while we work on this relationship outside of the home? Yeah, absolutely. Your it's really about transparency and cutting off those toxic behaviors and cycles. And for those who are, you know, a part of the village, we really have to take part and start stepping up and asserting those things. You know, you can do and say certain things in love, um, it is a manner in which, and if the person is not very receptive, okay, fine, but you still have to build an atmosphere where the child can thrive. Um, and I think sometimes we look at it like, well, it's not my child, it's not my household, so I'm not going to, you know, step in because I know yeah. sister so-and-so going to snap. Okay, well, let sister so-and-so snap. But for the next generation coming up, you know, what do you want to... And, you know, instilling them, like, what do you want to plant in them? What is the next seed that they can thrive off of? Yeah. And, and that's true. And um, let's see here. A lot, a lot of parents with unhealed traumas repeating the cycle through their kids. Now, because we're talking about um, having a village for your kids, and now, a good point, mentioning this traumas that parents have. So... One thing I've learned is sometimes the biggest enemy you can have as a child is the person that gave birth to you and brings you home from the hospital. So if we're trying to be proactive and build a village, what steps do we need to take? Because sometimes you need to go to the source. You got you to gotta deal with the parent. Mm -hmm. What steps or how should you approach that with the parents? Because nine times out of ten, parents are already very protective or very, no, very protective of their child, of their baby. They're also probably very protective because of how they probably had that child. So 
you know if this is she is either a young girl or on a third or fourth baby daddy you already know people whispering people talking so what what do we need to do as a community to let them know that we're not going to berate you for bringing this child in the world um we want to essentially help you to be able to make sure that not only you're successful as you're rearing this child up but your child is also um successful and not dealing with the toxicity that comes with either being a single mother, single father, or even a two-parent home. Because you have some two-parent homes get kids and don't know what the heck they're doing, and they're they doing more damage um, than yeah. anybody. So how do we help with creating, I guess, like a safe space for the parents to be open to having the village come in and help them? Um, yeah. I think, oh, sorry, Mika. <laughs> I think the first part is really not coming at people trying to tell them um, because that, of course, automatically, you know, sets us on our defense when you come at us and you're like, OK, let me tell you how to do X, Y, and these. But if I come at you and I create a conversation where now you can I can listen to you, you feel safe enough to and comfortable enough um, to be able to say, you know, this is what's going on with me. And now we can start to have additional conversations around, well, not just what's going on with you, but maybe what supports you need. Um, maybe, you know, things that you feel you may be lacking um, or or want to grow in. Right. And now you're able to open the door and walk into the door of, hey, let me support you in this or, you know, hey, let me, you know, now invite you to this or but really tailoring it in a way that you're not directing something towards someone to make them feel like. I have to be on the defense about who I am. I have to defend why I do what I do. But now yeah. coming at it in an aspect of love to where you can open that door and teach someone um, and really coaching them through that. Right. Um, because people may respond better than that. I'm not going to respond to you telling me, but I am going to respond to you showing me by your actions, by your love, by how you encourage me and empower me and make me feel like I'm a better person versus someone always saying, OK, well, you didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. How can you do this better? I think that's the first step for me anyway. I agree. Um, one thing I always do when I'm working with anyone, um, I worked at DFAS as a supervisor before for foster care. And we used to use this uh, model with solution based. Focus where we came in and we allowed the parent to tell us pretty much what Renee was saying, like how they what what's going on in your life. What do you feel like you need to work on? Because we can see and say, hey, this is what we think you need, um, and we pull from their strength, not from what we already know what the weakness are. The child is in care, right? Or they're going through a family problem, even if the child's not care in care. But it's about pulling from their strength. And it's about letting them be the expert because it may not even have nothing to do with the child. It may have everything to do with that mother or that father feeling, you know, their worth is not valued or they don't see their worth. They don't know how they can be a parent. They're afraid to be a parent or they may resent the child because of the father or the mother, you know? So it could be a number. It could be financial. It could be other things that they are going through that is causing them to have that reaction or that, trauma um, that they never dealt with. And I always tell people trauma is something we have to deal with. You cannot go through life and not deal with your trauma because all it does is spill over into your next life um, or year, child, family. Eli. It spills over. It continues. And I tell mm -hmm. people the first trauma that a child experiences is always from a parent or a family member, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to um, make sure you're dealing with your own trauma and make sure that you are not afraid to speak up about what you need as far as help we are our own experts when i go home you don't know what i deal with when i go home when you go home i don't know what you deal with so in order for me to get what i need i need to feel safe i need to feel heard and i need to feel valued mm -hmm. so and i i love that feedback ladies because this actually dives into our next topic protecting our men women and children and the one word that you said that stuck out to me is creating a safe space so when we're talking about protecting our men, women, and children, do you feel in our community, are we actually creating safe spaces for us, whether it's man, woman, or child? Do you feel like me personally? No. <laughs> no, I don't feel like um, we create safe spaces for our men, women, and children, especially not equally. Um, mm -hmm. I know those who are listening, they may say, well, I feel like I always have a safe space, but someone else may not feel that way. So. For you ladies, starting with you, um, 
Mika, do you think we have safe spaces um, as a collective? No, I think we talk about it and we try to educate people on how to be safe, but we don't create safe places for us. Like, where is it for us to go to feel safe? Where do you feel safe at? Because nowadays you don't even feel safe in your own home. You got family against family. You got friends turning on friends. You got neighborhoods that are being, you know, run down, controlled by either community gang members or police or just, you know, array of things. And it's like, you don't even have a safe place in our community at work, at schools anymore. Like, where do you really go to feel safe? Like where is nowhere. Like when I think about it, yeah, I want my home to be a safe place. But if I'm coming home to trauma or like you were saying, some of the things dealing with parents or dealing with, you know, um, just, you know, a bad neighborhood or whatever, I don't have a safe place to go to. So, no, I don't think we create that. Um, again, I'm going back to the churches. Back in the day, <laughs> you used to be able to go to church and feel safe. Like if you couldn't feel safe nowhere else, you could go to church and really feel safe. We don't, what community um, centers that we have around now, you go on every block, like we used to have community centers and we don't have those anymore. Um, you don't have people involved with like helping people feel safe anymore. If I'm hungry, like even, you know, feeling that I'm not being fed, what resources do we have to feel safe to make sure we're eating? And we're getting the tools, you know, the food. Oops, I'm so sorry. The tools that we need to, to, um, to, you know, feel safe even with our, you know, the needs of our house, the basic needs. So, no, I don't think that we are feeling, we are creating safe place um, within our communities. We don't have enough funding. The government is not putting enough funding in areas that we need it. That's true. Um, we're not having, you know, you tearing down things, your gentrification, you may complete in like this gentrification, like we don't even feel safe. Like where can we go and find decent rent to even feel safe to raise our kids financially? So when you look at the overall safety of everything for men, women, and children, no, especially men, I'm gonna say that right now. I don't think men have, I think y'all have it bad. I'm sorry, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree 100%. Um, and I definitely, definitely think men have it the worst, especially if you're looking at um, is it equal across the board for women? A lot of times we can have friend circles, um, you know, different yeah. groups, seminars, whatever the case may be, where you can come in and um, possibly create that safe space. But then for children, you like Mika said, some of that is going away. You don't see as many active YMCAs and um, things at your boys and girls clubs. They're in certain areas, but they're not maybe so in the rural areas. Um, so everyone is not getting the same access to the same resources um, to even think about having a safe space. And then for men, especially black men, sometimes that's just completely unheard of. Um, I literally just what, two days ago, saw a friend post on Facebook where he was like, look, I'm the strong person, but where do I go when I'm carrying everybody else? I can carry everybody else, but who do I go to? You know, who's there to listen to me? Um, so he was just like, you know, if you have a, are able to send up my name in a word of prayer but you think about that he's not the only one he's not the only black male and he just happened to be you know able to express that vulnerability out in the open without feeling shunned but what about the black males who do that and then we come right back against them and it's like well why yeah. did you say that why did you do yeah. that um and even for our children sometimes right because Children can be very candid. They can be very free and open. And sometimes they say the truth, <laughs> what they're feeling, how they're feeling it. Right. But as and especially culturally, we have gotten to the place where we hush that. Um, and so it's, you know, don't say that. That wasn't right to say. Well, you know, why did you say that? You shouldn't be saying that. And that's how they grow up. That's how they continue. And so they're not being, you know, put in places where they can be assertive, where they can share their feelings and their emotions and their thoughts and feel heard and valued and safe. Um, so <clears throat> we have to continue to work towards that. I appreciate that, ladies. Um, we're actually going to cut to commercial real quick, um, but we're going to cut. We're going to come back to this topic because it's still some stuff to unpack. I did see Ricky say it's not easy. He tried. I'll touch a bit, a bit about it on myself as well when we come back from the break. So for those who are listening in and watching, we'll be back right after this break. Okay. 
Never mind. No break. I was just kidding. JK. All right. So, um, I guess we'll go ahead. After seeing um, what Ricky said about um, it's not easy, I try. I can actually attest as well. Um, many times as a black man, we have certain people in our circle who think they're a safe space and realize that they're not the safe space that they think they are for black men. Um, and the sad thing, even for some of us, our black men, our closest brothers aren't safe space for us. Um, I can't remember the podcast I was watching a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's the actor from Power. And I guess they were asking him, I guess he plays a gay, uh, homos, a gay actor on Power. Mm -hmm. And so the guy on the podcast was asking him, are you gay or not? And the guy was like, I'm being transparent. I guess he was, he wouldn't really answer the question, which I feel like is not, it's not your question to ask me. But then the guy was getting like increasingly hostile about the fact that he wouldn't answer the question. And I'm literally like, whatever safe space that that guy thought he had coming on this podcast is gone. Mm. Because you're literally attacking me about something that you shouldn't, why should you care? What is it going mm -hmm. to do for you if I don't answer that question? And I know there's a lot of brothers who can probably attest that thinking they were in a safe space. And when they opened up their deepest, darkest secrets, their homeboys clowned them about it. Or as a lot of men tend to say, if they have their darkest moments with their significant other, it may come back in an argument and get thrown back in his face and stuff like that. <clears throat> so I feel like what helped me develop with my safe space was, and for those who listen to the show, you already know, he about to start mentioning therapy. That has been my safe space. Um, when I see my therapist twice a month, she allows me to unpack how I feel, see where those feelings came from. I mean, if she judging, she don't say nothing because the way she takes my information, she takes it in and analyzes. So if she judging, she doesn't give the vibe that she judging. Yeah. I'm telling you. Um, and sometimes I think we as men, we're not really, not a lot of men are talkers per se, but I don't think people realize that when a man is talking, especially more than he normally talks, pay attention to what he's saying. Because yeah. right now, he probably feels safe enough around you to be that candid and don't take it for granted. Um, now I do feel like you lady said, black men do not get the necessary protection more so as black women get, especially, especially our sisters. I love y'all sisters. Those who listen definitely know I get teased about being, um, the Cocoa Puff Whisperer and all that jazz, because I definitely advocate for our black women, but push comes to shove, black women do have a lot more outlets, um, to have safe spaces. You have like those sisterhood outings and stuff like that. Um, I actually have a cousin we used to laugh all the time, like him and his closest um, friends, they go on trips together. And it's funny because when he first started doing that, you know what black people's first initial response was having a yeah. bunch of brothers going on vacation. Something must be wrong. They must be gay. What are they doing? And it's like, I remember a family member said, I was like, wait, so guys can't just like, bro, I want to go to Vegas. Like, I can't tell my homeboys I want to go to Vegas. They go with them. And it's like, nah, that just seems weird. Why you don't want to go with a shorty? I'm like, maybe I want to go spend time with my homeboys. Like, I'm surprised. So I think you're definitely right. Our black women do get a lot more protection. However, missing that protection, all that protection that we say that we have for black women, then what is failing because it's increasing that black women are being unalived. Um, <laughs> in relationships, in domestic violence, and not just like women who aren't pregnant. You have an increasing amount of black women who are pregnant that are being unalived by the significant other or just random gun violence. So even though we we can say out here proudly that black women do have enough safe spaces, we still have more work to do. So when you're dealing with these issues in our community, how can we increase the safety for our black women, black children, and black men? Um, without making it seem like it's one side that's getting it more than the other, if, if I'm making sense. Because sometimes we look at that, oh, well, this person's getting all this protection, and I'm not. So what can we really do to kind of galvanize the community to make that equal footing when it comes to safe spaces? Or is that not something you think we'll be able to manage, to be honest? Well, I want to go back to something. First of all, before we talk on that, that topic, uh, what you said was, um, I think I tell people all the time, before you are a man, or I mean, you're a man, before I'm a woman, child, whatever, you're a human being. And if you're a human being, you deal with emotions. And that is given. I don't care. It's not that I hate that topic, man up, or be a man, be a woman. Like, what's that mean? 
Like mm-hmm. if I'm hurting, if I'm if mm-hmm. I'm got, if I have some things going on, for, you know, in my life, that ain't nothing about my man. Your man, well, my woman here, your manhood. That's everything about being a human being, and that's part of you know you're gonna build emotions. You're gonna have things. If you hurt, that don't mean you less of a man because you express your hurt. I tell people all the time, go to go to therapy, go get counseling. Oh, I can't do that because why? Who cares? Them same people that sit around probably talking about you going through the same thing, probably in therapy, and you don't even know it, you know? So my thing is, um, first, we have to deal with our emotions. I feel I really think that deal with our trauma, deal with our emotion, because I think the issue um, that come in play when we are talking about unhealthy relationships or just protection for black women or black children is that or black men is that one, we're getting into toxic relationships. We're building toxic relationships because we're bringing two toxic people together Mm -hmm. and creating more toxic things, children, homes you know, communities, and nobody wants to address their stuff. You have to deal with your stuff before you can even create a healthy relationship with anybody else. That I don't care if that's your friends, family, children, whoever, deal with your stuff. And it's okay to be okay with dealing with your stuff. I think that's one that we have to deal with is like making sure you deal with your emotions and your feelings and not care what the world say. We care too much about what the world think. If we go and do something, why do you care? Are they going to be there to pick you up? Is the whole world going to be there to pick you up? No. You know, you build your safe place. You build your safe zone, your friends, your set boundaries with people. Um, And I think in relationships, for me, I'll just be honest. When I see somebody with some some issues, I'm like, hey. you're cool and all, <laughs> but uh, I'll be there to support you. I agree. I agree with you. That's the biggest red flag for me. I'm going to exit stage left so fast. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need you to go deal with it. Because what you can't do is bring all that over here. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to be honest. Like, I'll be like, hey, that's a red flag. I'll be counting my flags, too. I'll be like, one. How early, on was that flag? Flag. <laughs> How early on was that flag, too? But that is true. You got to pay attention to the red flag. And I think, and, and being, I think as women, as black women, if you're, you know, who date black men, telling them, like being honest with them, I'm going to be straight up honest with you, how you receive it in anger or cuss me out or however, and I'm going to block you after the end. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you because I just feel like if you don't, they come, they continue and they go on to the next. And I'm not telling you out of, out of um to hurt you i'm telling you what i see and maybe no one ever told you before because i hope that someone would do that to me you know like tell me like what is it that i'm doing or putting off that you feel is a concern you know because i may not know that that is coming off that way or Mm. that i'm presenting myself that way or i'm doing it because sometimes things when you're acting out of habit then you don't recognize it so i think um for me i'm gonna tell you and if you get mad i hope you don't but if you do, that's okay. I'm good with that too. No, I mean, I think you said you really just unpacked it a whole bunch right there. So biggest takeaway from me is yes, healing, right? Every person, each person has to be accountable for them own their own self. Um, emotional intelligence goes a very long way. Uh and giving grace, right? Having the emotional intelligence for yourself, but also having the emotional intelligence to be able to recognize, okay, you may not be the person for me. This may not be the circumstance. This may not be how you're going to best handle this right now at this point in time. So how do I tailor myself to be able to extend love and grace, whether that's creating those healthy boundaries so that I keep myself protected, but also so that you learn now because we teach others how to treat us. But if you don't know how to treat yourself, then what? Um, So really being able to grow and and enhance yourself by learning who you are, where you are in your life. What does healing look like for you? Talk about those traumas. We are so like, what goes on in this house stays in this house. And that has become (laughs) our profound, like whole entire community, right? Um, What goes on at the church stay in this this church. What goes on over here, okay, in this car stays in this car. This is that and the other. Um, 
But it's like, why? Why are we so afraid to to talk about these things, to really bring out, start making what should be norm, the norm. Um, what is wrong with having healthy relationships? What is wrong with having healthy boundaries? Why do we have to look at it like, you know, someone is hurting us? We're so quick to always point the finger. Um, but there's a finger pointing right back at, at you as well. Like, right. If I point the finger at you, Alan, there's one, my thumb is triggered right back at me. So, you know, I can only be accountable for me, but in that aspect, like how I treat you, how I encounter you, um, I can still do those things in grace and in an aspect to in in love to provide that correction. Right. We always talk about fix the crown and, um, <laughs> you know, be your brother's keeper and all this other stuff. But really, how are we doing that? Like, how are our actions showing that? Um, so I think, it, you know, first step is really just being healed in your own self. Um, examining that, examining what that looks like for you, for your household, whatever that may be. Um, and then also just. Um, being able to exemplify that and set those boundaries so that maybe someone else is like, okay, I may not understand it, but I see you. Some, something is working in your life. <laughs> so maybe I should try some of the things that you're doing too, but first being accountable. Yeah. Excellent, excellent point, ladies. Um, actually, quite a few points y'all both made um, when it comes to that, because I do feel like sometimes we in our community don't know how to handle healthy relationships. Like if we have someone that is setting those boundaries, I don't think, and this goes for men and women, I don't think we know how to navigate it if you've never seen it before or had someone who did, did that with you. Because um, it's so funny because you have a lot of people when they talk about stuff like that, they're all like, oh, I just like when he's argumentative or he's, and I'm, I'll be looking at people like, mm, we got to argue us to like get along. <laughs> I, I can't because because for me and everyone household and where you're from is different um for me arguing is not my thing because i was not in a household that dealt with arguing arguing we dealt with if you're mm -hmm. upset one thing one rule my dad had if you are angry i'm going to give you at least two hours to calm down if we start talking and it gets heated we're going to do a timeout and we will revisit this tomorrow. My dad was good for that. Now, if you love to argue, it will make you so mad because you want to sit there and get your point across. And he's like, ah, we'll go ahead and take a break and we'll follow this up tomorrow. And then tomorrow after you done sat there and cooler heads have prevailed, now you're like, okay, maybe I should have looked at it from this standpoint. So I do feel like sometimes in the black community, we try and we look at stuff that we think is spicing up relationships and it's actually not healthy because eventually you're going to come across someone who doesn't deal with that. And that could have been your person and you screwed it up because that person was like, I'm not, I'm not about to deal with this at all. I'm, I'm about to keep it trucking. So um, amazing points on there, there, ladies. Um, let's actually pull up our next topic. I feel like it was close to love and relationships, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. No. Ah, no. Looking, living, and staying healthy. So when we talk about looking, living, and staying healthy, of course, that is just more than physical. That is definitely emotional, physical, and mental mental health and spiritual health as well. Um, but in our community, I feel like it's definitely an imbalance. Um, I feel like yeah. our generation now, when it comes to the physical man, is being more self-conscious um, of what they're putting in their body and actively working out but we still are dealing with some ramifications where if our family is unhealthy as a whole, we get put in that box when dealing with them when it comes to eating healthy. Um, now, I don't know for you ladies. I do know for me, I did, I was a vegan for two years. It, I felt the difference. It was amazing. Um, what made me fall off is when the Thanksgiving holiday things came around and it was time to deal with the family. They wasn't trying to cater to how you eat. It's like you eating what's eating. So in our community, when it comes to living, looking, and staying healthy, um, for you, um, Renee, what what does that look like for you, or how do you, how do you go about that? Uh, so for me, currently, right now, it's literally a rebuilding process. Um, it's really examining every aspect of my life, um, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, uh, and even financially. Uh, I think all the pillars tie in together. 
Um, it's really assessing like, where am I at? How do I want to build to get to my next step to make sure that, yes, I'm financially sound, but also I am spiritually sound, um, that I am physically sound because your physical health plays in a long part, especially when you start looking at um, those generational health traits that seems to get passed down um, or just seem to pop up. Because <laughs> as we know, um, health-wise, the Black community takes on a lot. You always hear, oh, Black women are, you know, number one in this. Black men are leading in this. Um, and it's like, why? Why are we the number one who are leading in diabetes and, um, you know, dying from stress and, and this, that, and the other? So really being able to take care of yourself, but as you say, not just your physical, but also that emotional, what's going on in the inside, because they all connect and tie in one. If you are stressed out at work, that plays a part in your home life. You bring that home, you know, how do you decompress? So right now it's really like focusing on myself, um, really putting into a routine of this is what I need to do. So let me just be about it <laughs> mm -hmm. and stay dedicated to such. And even like you say, like finding those um, avenues that do support me in that way. So whether it's, you know, as people like to say, finding my tribe, but really, you know, being around and even in the community that you have, but sometimes even reassessing the community that you have, right? Uh, like you say, those safe spaces, maybe I now need to move someone who was in my inner, inner circle to my outer circle. Um, you were a friend, but now you're an associate and that's okay because I have to establish that healthy boundary. But it helps me to be more financially sound, to be more mentally sound, because now I can move someone in who is teaching me something that is going to benefit me in the long run. Um, it's going to not just only benefit me because health wise. Right. I have to look out for the legacy that's coming behind me um, like you. I don't have any kids yet, but. Whatever's coming behind me, whether it's my nephews, you know, what I'm saying cousins, whomever, I have to be healthy to be able to set that tone and to break you know, whatever generational curse I can break uh, in my pathway, because I don't just look at it for me. I have to look at it. What's more my future? Where is that to go from just not today, but, you know, for the forevermore. Um, so really setting those routines, <laughs> getting out of my own head on some things <laughs> yeah. uh, and challenging my own self in all of those capacities. Awesome. Awesome. Mika. So, yeah, so I agree with a lot what Armin said, but I would say this. Um, I think when it comes to looking, living, and being healthy, whether it's, you know, physical, mental, emotional, we have to see what is our barriers, what's causing us to have an unhealthy life. Um, mm -hmm. When did it start, and how do you overcome those those barriers? Um, and I would use me as an example. Like, um, two years ago, my sister passed away unexpectedly, so I became an instant mother to my niece. And mm -hmm. so I caught myself, like, really not feeling like I was depressed, but I really was depressed. And I had so much anxiety because I didn't have children before I got my niece, you know? And so I had a whole lifestyle change. And on top of my lifestyle change came like this depression, this anxiety, trying to raise, learn how to be a mom, mom to my niece. And I gained weight during COVID. We had the pandemic, pandemic. And, you know, I just had a whole bunch of stuff and I couldn't tackle everything at one time. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes we have to create a starting place and i had to create a starting place for me um mm -hmm. you know i had health things that was going out of whack because i wasn't taking care of myself mentally um i was trying to still grieve my sister death i didn't have time to grieve you know so it was like and i still try to find that time to grieve you know so i think it's important for us to find a starting part a point for us and that's what i had to do i had to find my start, starting point and my starting point was I cannot be well for my niece if I'm not well for myself. And I was putting her first in everything. And my sister actually brought it to my attention. She was like, why do you continue to say for Jada, for Jada, for Jada? What about you? Like, why do you do everything for her? And and not that I'm not, don't get me wrong, yeah. but I, I wasn't putting myself in that category of my needs. And I was like, you're right. So I had to, and I didn't even recognize I was doing that. You know, I, I didn't even recognize that I was doing it that much until she brought it up to me. And so then um, I had to start focusing on me. Like, what 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 do I do? So I started doing self-care. I started going to get my massages. I started going to get my facials. I started taking time being asking people like I don't I'm, I'm a bad person about not asking for, for stuff like I won't ask people to do anything for me. Like, I'll just figure it out myself. And so. Mm -hmm. 
I had to ask and I feel that's hard for me, but I, you know, when I need my time, <laughs> I have to learn to ask. And then I have to start working on my physical will, you know, health. And so I had to find a starting point. So I think the look and feeling and staying healthy is recognizing where's your starting point? Where was first, what are your barriers? What created this? And then how are you going to fix it? And how are you going to maintain it moving forward? And I know for me, what, what caused me to have some setbacks and how do I move forward in the future with those things? And how do I recognize it? And I think it's good to have a check-in. Like my sister was my check-in. RNA was my check-in, you know? Um, so yeah, I was I just about to say that, have those checkpoints. Yeah, because I had to have people that checked in on me and say, hey, girl, I even had a friend, Miss Jackie. She checked in. You know, I had a lot of a couple of people, friends. I had some friends that I thought was going to be there that was not there. So, you know, I had to accept that. And I was like, cool with it. I'm like, you know, hey, people who told me they was going to support me today when, you know, when I was going through all my, you know, stuff. Hey, we got you, girl. And nobody had me, but I still had to have myself. And I think That's that you, important. it's important for you to not allow all of that to come into place and tear you away from being healthy and to live in, you know, your mental health. When I say healthy, I mean mental, physically, emotional. You have to still remember when you have no one else there and when you're going through your stuff, you still have to be healthy and recognize what is your starting point. Like, where do you mm -hmm. start? How do I create this healthy life that I want to live? And if I haven't lived it, what has caused it? And another thing we grew up, like if you, I did a thing very quick. I did a, a, a volunteer work where I did place, um, place matters. And we went to these neighborhoods that were low poverty. And on every corner you saw, you saw like, um, houses that you know uh liquor stores popeye chicken um uh, what popeye's chicken i don't eat that but popeye's chicken <laughs> <laughs> and you had all these different restaurants but then i'm like where the grocery stores where's the healthy food but then you go in other neighborhoods you got these healthy restaurants these healthy stores and i think that's also based off our community too it's what we grew mm -hmm. up on it's what we saw growing up like you can go get drunk and get some popeyes and get high blood pressure and cirrhosis of the liver and no doctor in the area to help you, you know, even treat those. So mm -hmm. I think it's also based off our community too, that also creates and, and recognize when you're going through those things and how do you set steps to create a lifestyle change for yourself? Yeah, and recognizing that it's okay to be that change um, and to be vulnerable with others. Like when you can be vulnerable with yourself and then um, able to be vulnerable with others, especially like she said, as you realize like, who is now really in your corner? Like who says they're going to show up and really, you know, provides that safe space for you um, versus who does not and being okay with that. Like, I don't have to be mad with you. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be that there's a, a disagreement just because I have now moved you to a, a different part of my life. Um, that just is, is growth. You know, we're growing in, in separate areas. And I think that's something that we also have to realize too. We tend to get really upset uh, when people exit our lives or when we have to exit people from our lives. Um, and so just how we grieve and being okay with grieving. Um, I think sometimes we don't recognize that, but being okay with grieving. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I definitely appreciate the ladies for being on the She Said What show. We are getting ready to wrap up. Miss Renee, the floor is yours. Um, please let us know how we can follow and support you lovely ladies. And we're definitely going to make a um, notation to have you ladies come back um, for our yes. next and on She Said What. So, Renee, the floor is yours. So, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Um, we are even on Twitter at our Serenity Palace LLC. Um I think on Instagram is serenity underscore palace underscore LLC on Facebook, mm -hmm. serenity palace LLC. And then of course our website, serenity palace, um, life and wellness. Okay. It's at the bottom. I see you. <laughs> uh, but yes, you can definitely follow us on there uh, for more information on life coaching, career coaching, um, and just life and wellness uh, just to get connected. So we look forward to seeing you all and growing with you. Awesome. Look at that, y'all. She done left me with some time so I could talk a little bit. Um, just playing. Just a little bit. Um, once again, Mika Renee, I definitely appreciate you ladies being on here for She Said What. The knowledge that you guys dropped has been very, very important. Uh, for those who are listening and watching, I definitely admonish you to go ahead and follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm going, I'm already following them on Instagram. I'm going to make sure I go on uh, Facebook to follow them. 
I need to just go back onto my Twitter and act right, and I'll follow them on there as well. Um, I just want to remind everybody um, that is listening, um, please make sure you visit www.blurainradio.com and be sure to download um, the Blue Rain app to listen to more shows just like this, as well as a variety of music stations. Once again, please follow us um, and make sure you visit at www.blue, B-L-U-E, Rain, R-E-I-G-N, radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Um, once again, we do appreciate your support here on the She Said What station. Of course, our viewers, next week is our last episode of the season before we take a quick little hiatus. Um, once again, we do appreciate you guys being on here. Um, once again, um, Renee and Mika, we will definitely, definitely make sure we have you guys back on here as well. Um, I definitely loved having you ladies on here. Enjoyed the love of the information that you gave us for, as well. Um, I just want to remind everybody, tune in tomorrow for um, Bree and that be at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, don't forget on Sundays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have P's Intuition. On Monday, we have Mike, um, One Mike and RG's Simply Sports, which is at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On Tuesdays, we do have yours truly, um, Bree, on He Said What, which is the uh, brother network of She Said What, where we have young brothers who come on there and they talk about issues throughout the community that, that they can do better on. And of course, yours truly, the AKA Cocoa Puff Whisperer and all of that good jazz. Um, we will be back on next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the final episode of She Said What. So make sure if you are tuning in um, on YouTube now or after the show, make sure you hit that subscribe button, share the video, let your friends know about it. There are a lot of major things that are coming up that you are going to be amazed and ready to see. So once again, have an amazing Wednesday. The only thing I will leave for you tonight is as you go about your day tomorrow, if someone makes you mad, let them know. I still remember that you're the reason that everything went wrong in 2020 because you ate those chicken biscuits from Popeyes. <laughs> that being said, you guys have an amazing Wednesday, and we will see you next Wednesday on She Said What.